Hello, everyone. This is Faye, and I sell Medicare plans. This is the podcast where all of the industry professionals come just to hear what's going on in the industry, to know what's going on in Medicare sales, and to know what's going on as complements to Medicare sales. We've done a lot of uh, combining, and we actually had a session where we were marrying Medicare sales and final expense. And today, my guest is a final expense specialist. I have with me today Brian Barber, who is the president of Horizon Senior Benefits. He is currently in Michigan. He's formerly a Wall Street trader. Would you believe that? So he's done that hectic, frantic calling, raising the bids and all that stuff on the floor. He's been through that. So if anybody wants to know about that, you can contact Brian directly. But he's also a former Floridian. Welcome, Brian. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks, Faye. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Oh, great, great, great. So now you are the final expense specialist. Is that what the only thing that you do at Horizon Senior Benefits? Uh, you know, we, that's our main focus. Yes, yeah, so we, that's what we have focused on since 2006. But we, we, we also sell uh, Medicare products to, to clients that need them. But it's not what we lead with. It's not uh, what our leads generally come in. Uh, as the as a primary source, so it, it's more of a, a supplement to that, which I would guess is just the opposite for you guys. Oh, okay, okay. So, do you you probably do uh, dental, vision, hearing, or some of those ancillary products to lead we, into we do final expense? Okay, we okay. do, and a lot of our final expense clients already have a Medicare Advantage, and a lot mm-hmm. of times we'll end up just selling them a hospital plan. Because okay. what, what we find is a lot of Medicare Advantage agents either don't do a good enough job of it or the prospect forgets that there is that maximum out of pocket uh, with them that uh, if they've not experienced it, they just a lot of times are not aware of it. So I found um, that, and you could tell me if this is probably uh, or will work, that uh, particularly when someone is coming off of a supplement onto a Medicare Advantage plan, it is so, so easy to just go ahead and do the hospital indemnity right at that point because now they're back to basically such a low maximum out-of-pocket that it makes sense to them. And then the premium for the Medicare Advantage is so low and they're still saving money. What Correct. Do you think? I do, and I think that's easier for a Medicare supplement agent to approach it that way um, because it, we're, we're kind of programmed when you get somebody, when you're, when you're primarily a supplement agent and you get somebody that says, no, I'm all set, I'm on Medicare Advantage because a lot of supplement agents don't sell Medicare Advantage. They haven't done the certification, so it's just natural to go immediately after that hospital indemnity because that's primarily how you sell against them. Oh, did you know that if you go into the hospital for six days, you could get a bill for a couple thousand? No, what are you talking about? A lot of folks don't know that. So it's just, it makes so much sense for us to say, well, really, you're kind of flying blind without getting a hospital plan for 30 bucks a month. 
whereas for the Medicare Advantage agent, it, it doesn't, if they've never sold supplements, it doesn't come as natural for them because mm -hmm. the flip side of that is now they're asking the client to spend money. Right. And they right. really just want to get in and out of there with the low premium and mm -hmm. chalk up a sale. And they don't necessarily say, well, there, there also is something that you actually need, you know, in your, it's, it'd be in your best interest. This is a $0 plan, but you know, to, to truly protect you and not get you any surprise bills, you really should have a hospital plan. <laughs> I don't well, think that's actually, done enough. I know. Actually, um, when we're doing Medicare Advantage plans and we are saving premiums, the final expense, the hospital indemnity, and if it's needed, the dental vision hearing or even the cancer programs mm -hmm. are programs that we can add on or, as my friend Galen Hendricks says, bundle. Uh, mm -hmm. bundle it so and the and the customer still is saving money mm -hmm. so we're doing that customer a great great service because we're trying to cover or we are covering a lot of bases for them right. is that how you generally get into putting the final expense together uh, again most of the folks that we have in terms of leads are always the the, the first order of business is the um, everybody wave the first <laughs> the first order of business is the final expense so and then from there we 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 will pivot and ask oh what are you doing for your medicare okay okay so as opposed to starting with the medicare and then going for the other products but you're absolutely right you go from a a supplement that has gotten too expensive to a Medicare Advantage, you can often get them three policies for less money than they were paying for their supplement, and they still not not only have full coverage back again, uh, especially mm -hmm. with the PPOs these days. The networks are getting so great that yeah. it's not like the old days where people were like, "Oh, you got to get referrals," and and you know you can only go to doctors in your network, and the networks are so small. That's really not the case anymore. No, it's not. Uh, the the MAP plans are becoming. Uh, sophisticated, if I if I might say mm -hmm. so. So now you kind of specialize, and this is how we can. This is how our paths crossed. And I was hoping that you would be able to share with our audience today uh, that that additional little piece that you are able to do in final expense uh, uh, to our audience and to everyone who's listening. I want you to know that. Our past cross, Brian and I met because I had a customer that I was not able to service because of age. So I found Brian. I found him to be so easy to work with, and he answered all the questions for me. So then I felt very comfortable just saying, Brian, call this customer and help her, please. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about what you do for those and what might happen and where there's the opportunity for additional um, final expense sales. Sure. Well, there's a, just like you had explained, the 99% of the insurance companies out there that offer, offer final expense insurance uh, only go to 85. And we are fortunate enough to have a company in Aetna that has a, a, a fabulous plan for folks 85 to 89. And that is becoming a huge 
market, which ultimately I think is going to lead to a lot of other insurance companies slowly expanding their uh, product guidelines to, to go up to that age too. I mean, folks are living longer, they're healthier, but the truth is, is that at this moment, the only company that I'm aware of that's reputable is Aetna that goes above 85 and we write a lot of business for folks over 85 for that reason. Um, they've got to be relatively healthy. There's no uh, counter offer, if you will. They're not going to not qualify for a, a preferred level benefit and be offered a graded or modified. There's no option. You either, it's, it's all or nothing. You either qualify for the day one benefit with no waiting period or you don't. Um, and, it's, and, and you end up with these folks a lot of different ways. We were talking earlier that there's so many folks out there that have the AARPs and the Globes and the Colonial Pens and the Met Lifes, and they, they don't realize that they're term policies at the end of the day and that they are going to cancel. And we end up with a lot of clients in that scenario that for whatever reason in their 80s, um, their, their life insurance expired. And sometimes I think it's a pride issue like we talked about that they had told their families for so many years that they've got their insurance covered. It's all set. Mm -hmm. And then you really don't address final expense insurance ever again, because not only is it uncomfortable, but mom and dad already told you, I've already got it covered. So unless right. you just don't believe your parents or that's just the relationship you have with them, you, that's good enough. Okay. Dad said he's got it all set. Mom said she's, she's all set, but then they get a cancellation letter at 81. Yeah. I, I, I shared, I think, earlier that uh, I have a friend whose husband uh, passed away at 72. And for years, he had always told her, and she'd actually seen this policy for $100,000. So she's thinking, you know, I know the position he held before he retired as chairman of the credit union. So he has $100,000 life insurance policy. Well, actually, that policy uh, reduced to 5000 at age 65 and to 2000 at age 70. So at the time of his death, he only had $2,000 and she had no idea, no clue. And I think this happens to a lot of people. And that was just at age 70, but that shows us what those term policies do and how they actually work. Now, how do, how do people generally get in touch with you in order to get the assistance that they might need for anyone who's over 80 or 85? Well, they, they find us on various, uh, you know, Google ad forms and, and Facebook ads and third-party ads and referrals, but we, we've got a fairly robust lead campaign out there, so that's a big part of our business. I don't have a necessarily a, a great organic system of free leads, but, uh, you know, leads, I mean, it's not, again, it's not difficult to attract people if you're offering insurance for folks over 85, um, because there's just very little competition. Um, what would you say would be the percentage of the people who do contact you, who are, you said it's either all or nothing at all, there's no graded or whatever, so either they're accepted or they're not accepted, and you can tell them that, like, right away is that immediately okay? yeah okay yeah so immediately so when yeah when we apply with Aetna we it's an automatic underwriting so you click automatic underwrite and it underwrites it for you right there on the computer uh there's no electronic signature it's you put in the mother's maiden name or, or some security password 
and you get either in a client or a, a approved or declined. And then on an occasion, you'll get a underwriter a, a referred. It'll just, it'll get referred to underwriting and that'll take a day or two for them to look a little further into it to determine whether or not they're gonna approve it. But I'd say it's 50-50. Um, okay. You know, maybe even higher than that because it, I'm not gonna submit it. You know, I, I've done this long enough to know what's got a good chance and what doesn't have a good chance. So. If, if it doesn't have a good chance, I don't submit it. And, and you know, in this business, life insurance, there's a, a placement ratio that you're judged on, um, which really judges you on how good of a job you've done as a field underwriter. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning you do, the companies want to try to prevent people from not doing their job and just throwing something against the wall. You know, if right. you didn't find out that they have congestive heart failure, they're on dialysis and you submit it anyway. Ultimately, if you have a, a poor placement ratio, you can be terminated in a life insurance oh, world. Okay. You know, it's not necessarily like that at, at, in the in the Medicare supplement world, from what I can see. I'm by no means an expert in the supplement world, but I I don't even see placement ratios on my Medicare supplement reports as as a thing. But it's a big thing for life insurance. Um, okay. So if 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 they don't if they can't answer all the health questions, no, or there's a medication on the decline list, uh, you call the underwriters and you just get a little brief risk assessment you ask them mm -hmm. and if they tell you sure you I mean that's that's got a good chance go ahead and submit it then you do but most of the time it's no that's a decline and then you don't submit is this, it is, does this require a special appointment with Aetna uh not a special appointment if you're appointed to sell life with them you can sell this product I see. Okay. And I, I wanted to go back to the term. You, it's just not term where we get a lot of clients. It's folks that had in the 80s taken out universal whole life insurance policies. And that's a maybe a whole nother podcast. But the universal whole life is uh, in the 80s were sold as self-paying policies. Mm -hmm. uh, and if and if you if you remember the interest rates in the 80s were in the double digits. Yes. And when an agent would do Right. When an agent would do an illustration for a universal policy for Mr. and Mrs. Jones, he'd say, hey, they were able to show a hypothetical illustration that showed that policy. Uh, they'd call them self-paying policies that, you know, in the next 20, 30 years, this policy will pay for itself until you're forever. Right. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, from when they were double digits in the 80s, they've done nothing but go all the way down ever since to zero. Ah. So as the cost of insurance, and again, I don't want to get off the subject, but the cost of insurance gets more expensive the older someone gets. And the way that they pay for that cost of insurance in a universal policy is by taking it out of the cash value. Mm -hmm. So, And by the time somebody gets into their 80s, a lot of times those universal policies blow up and they become worthless. You know, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. I, I have never been a big uh, I don't think I've ever sold a um, UL policy, probably because I just had not applied myself to do so. But I do remember the product, and remember you're you're right. Back in the '80s, how popular it was, and mm -hmm. I'm trying to think back. I think my husband may have had a UL policy at one point because of that, and that's what the agent said. Uh, oh yeah, this will pay for itself. So <laughs> right. that's another, that's another uh, source or opportunity 
for agents who are selling life insurance, and they probably know about this, but if there are people out there who are definitely beyond the ages that the typical companies will sell, here is an opportunity that we just wanted to make everyone aware of. Yeah, and for your agents that that are going to listen to this, that's a great question to ask when they do ask, hey, do you have life insurance? Oh, yeah, I've got life insurance. I got a whole life policy. You know, I'm all good there. Okay, I mean, what kind of whole life policy is it? Is it a universal life insurance policy? So many people in their 70s and 80s will be like, yeah, that's what it is. It's a universal policy. They have no idea often because they've never read their statements that come every year that are basically warning them in big red letters, this is going to be worthless in two years. Mm -hmm. So you can catch a lot of folks like, yeah, that's, it is a universal policy. Well, let's look at it. And I mean, they might not know what they're looking at, but they certainly could call me or probably call somebody in their upline to review it. But that's a great opportunity to, at that moment, point that out to them. And if they think they're going to live for another couple of years, it, it might be a good opportunity to get a, a policy and they will be forever grateful that that agent pointed that out to them. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Thank you for bringing that point up. Brian, is, uh, would there be any other points or one or two things that you may want to share with the audience that can help us with uh, final expense sales? I think the biggest thing Medicare agents don't do is just ask. You know, it's it sounds silly, but there's probably folks that are going to listen to this that say, you know what, when I get the Medicare supplement sale, I I probably don't ask about final expense enough. It's just it's not any more difficult than saying than asking, do you have enough life insurance or cash in the bank to pay for a funeral? God forbid your husband died today. Like, do you have the ability to come up with ten, fifteen thousand dollars tomorrow? I'm not talking about selling your car or selling your tractor or selling the baseball cards or I got equity in the house. That even, I'm not talking about having a fire sale, the stuff that you want to pass on. Do you have the ability to come up with 10 grand in 24 hours? Yes or no? Great and a lot question. of 80% of Americans are going to say no to that, if not more. Most mm. seniors are going paycheck to paycheck on their Social Security. Mm. Mm. So the answer is going to be no. Yeah, very, and, when, very and, the, and the moment that answer is no, that's a pain, right? That's the pain. And you say, well, look, $15, $20 a month, we can help offset that pain. We might not be able to fix that pain, but we could certainly offset it. And something's always better than nothing. And that's just the approach I take with all these folks because I don't pretend over the phone to know their budget. I'm not pulling in their driveway and seeing an Escalade and, you know, an 82-inch TV like field agents can. I just have to assume that money's tight and let them tell me. Oh, I could afford $50, $10,000 policy, right? Mm-hmm. So I approach it as if I'm very sensitive to their budget immediately. And I think folks appreciate that because a lot of folks that go to see folks in the field are not going to waste their time for a $13 policy. But I will. Okay. If, if it helps, I'll do it. And if that's what they can afford and it's $3,000, I'll tell them, you know what? If your husband died tonight, $3,000 of cash is a lot more than zero. And when you walk into a funeral home and you've got three grand and you say, I I don't have enough to pay for the whole thing, but here's what I do have. They're going to be a lot more inclined to work with you than walking in there and saying, I got nothing. What can you do for me? You're absolutely right. 
You're absolutely right. And then sometimes, you know, they may have other resources, but that $3,000 will be the money mm -hmm. to put the headstone on. So it's, it, it helps them. Yes, it definitely helps. Or if, if all of their resources are going towards the funeral, it may be the $3,000 that helps them to pay their bills for the next few months until they can establish themselves on yeah. what they're going to do. Absolutely. So you're right. You're and they're, and funeral homes right. are businesses. They, they're not really inclined to work out payment plans with someone. They've, they've generally not mm -hmm. ever been, they've, they've been stiffed on those more often than not. But if you walk in with a, whatever you've got, 3000 bucks, they might be more inclined to, to work a payment plan out with you because truly the majority of Americans don't have money to bury each other. And any Medicare Advantage client, they really don't. Uh, yeah, that's a good point because they've already probably stopped paying the premium for the sub because they want to have less expense, right? Mm -hmm. Very good points, Brian. Such good information for our agents. And this opens for all of us more opportunity. And it also cements the thought that the bride is the final expense and the groom is the Medicare product. So the, marry the two of them together and you can help that family have a happy home and you can also help yourself to have a happy home. Do you have any closing words for us, Brian? No, just remember to ask for that final expense because if you don't, I'm going to come right in behind you and I'm going to ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I've enjoyed our conversation.